this is the Joyful Mama Show. We want to help you take actionable steps toward dreams that have more impact, family life that has more peace, and motherhood that has more joy. We think that it's time for moms to rise up in entrepreneurship and change the world. But let's face it, it's hard to sort through all of the ways we get stuck in our own heads and all of the things we feel like we're supposed to be doing. How can we change the world when we're overwhelmed with trying not to feel overwhelmed about homeschooling or power struggles with our kids or taking care of our own hearts, our bodies, and our minds? We want to give you the tools to find rest, joy, and healing while also taking your business and your dreams to the next level. You know you were made for more than hustle. You can feel that you were made for more than the lies that hold you back. And we believe that you were made for amazing things that impact the kingdom of God and the people that God has given you to impact for Him. You were made to be a joyful mama, to have a heart that is thriving, not striving. And we want to help you step into the fullness of all you were created to become. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Joyful Mama Show. We are so excited because today we have a really special guest uh, who I will let Sarah introduce here in just a second. But what we want to talk about today is something that really, really matters. Um, It's something that we actually, Sarah has kind of led me into um, discovery with and really doing some personal reflection and more research it affects not just, you know, my view of myself and my role as a wife and as a mom and just as a daughter of God, but it also has really impacted my marriage. It's impacted how I want to raise my daughters and just teach them how to find their voice and discover who they are in Christ. And it really is just to sum it up, what are the roles of men and women in leadership and marriage and ministry? And there's this whole world surrounding this topic that I did not even know existed. There are vocabulary words that I did not know existed. And this is something that Sarah and her amazing husband are really well versed in. And so we have him as a guest today. We're going to talk about what the different roles inside of marriage and ministry and leadership look like for men, for women. And then what are the implications of that on our family and our society as a whole, if we don't get this right? It's something that I think a lot of people dismiss, like they can say like, oh, it's not a salvation issue. So I don't really care. It doesn't really affect me. And that's something that I probably, you know, six months, a year ago would have said, like, I don't really care that much. Like, I feel like I can use my voice. If there's a place where I'm not allowed to use my voice, then I go somewhere else. But fundamentally, it really is a big issue that that really does affect the world. It affects us really personally. And so, Sarah, I will let you introduce Daniel and we can start the conversation. Well, I would like to introduce you all to, I call him Daniel. He goes uh, professionally by Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dan Chambers. Um, He's an author, a pastor, a teacher. He's the host of the podcast, Praying the Bible which is a 10-minute daily podcast to lead you in experiencing God through scripture meditation. He's well-versed in the word, well-versed in this topic, and has spent years talking about it with me. And we've wrestled through these things, (laughs) you know, whatever. whatever. (laughs) Oh, we have wrestled through this issue. So Daniel, Dan, can you (laughs) start us out by telling us a little bit about your journey 
And before we do that, can you explain to us the meaning of, let's use the official word, words, complementarianism and egalitarianism? Can you explain what those two words mean? And yeah, just explain to us what they are. Sure, sure. Well, first of all, it's just cool to be on the podcast with you guys. Um, so thanks for having me on. But yeah, so these terms, so we can we can kind of define those so we know what we're talking about. So complementarianism and egalitarianism. Complementarianism is the idea or the doctrine that basically says that men and women are created equal in God's eyes in terms of their worth and their value, um, their nature before God, but they're distinct in their roles and their functions. And in that sense, they're supposed to complement each other where men will always have these certain gender roles. Women will always have these other certain gender roles. And within complementarianism is the view that women essentially are to be subordinate to men. So specifically wives to husbands, and then women in general two men in the church in terms of women cannot be pastors or elders. They can't teach men. And, and so there's obviously certain scripture uh, in the New Testament that they base that view on. And then the other term would be egalitarian, which would say that just men and women are equal, both in their nature and value, but also they can share the same roles. So there's not distinct gender roles for men or women in egalitarianism. Just everything is completely equal. And so the argument there for like marriage roles or for roles within the church would be whoever is gifted and called in certain areas will lead and that will have nothing to do with their gender or their sex. It's mm, a really good definition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Super good. Yeah. And so a little bit of, you know, my background with that. So I was raised in a, a Southern Baptist church in the South. And so my worldview was just always complementarian. So I never had an idea of egalitarianism. When I first learned of the terms, when I was probably a college student and I was starting to explore like vocational ministry as a pathway, it was one of those things that honestly, I was just like, how could anyone believe egalitarianism? Like, mm -hmm. isn't it so obvious in the scripture that, you know, women aren't allowed to speak in the church and women are supposed to submit to husbands? Like, how could anyone think that there's anything but this? So to me, it was just this this thing that was just so intrinsic to me that I just assumed that like 90% of Christians are complementarian. And the only ones that aren't are probably like very progressive Christians who are, you know, on a slippery slope to worse belief systems. Yeah. Did your family have traditional gender roles growing up? Yeah. So that's interesting. So obviously my parents raised in the same culture, both from the South, from Texas, both raised in Baptist churches. Um, and yet my mom worked full time pretty much uh, my entire like life as a child growing up. So, and there was never anything about like, oh, this is weird. We're only doing this out of desperate financial. Like it was, it was totally normative. Um, my grandmother is a very strong independent woman. She was a a flight instructor who owned her own business, who owned her own plane. And I remember hearing other stories, like when she, she only did that business for a while, but she would worked in one of the early like cell phone companies called Ericsson back in the day. And she would travel to like New York in the eighties and nineties when it was super dangerous as a woman by herself, like working on these like cell phone towers and things. So I had this weird mixture of my family world was functionally egalitarian 
where like my dad would do dishes and clean the house sometimes because they both worked, you know? But then I knew that like from church, like there's still this general expectation that my father is supposed to be the spiritual leader of the family and he would get more respect at church, honestly. He was the one asked to be like a deacon and to help lead men's ministry, you know, some of that based on calling, but a lot of it just because he was the man. And so if the Chambers family was well-regarded in the church, he was extra well-regarded because he was the man. I feel like that's super common to have like, like a split between your ideologies of like in your home, maybe it's functionally egalitarian, both the man and the woman are making decisions together. In my experience, I, we would call that soft complementarianism, where there's a lot of couples functioning, where there's not this hard and fast rule of the man gets to make all the decisions, where they have a more healthy relationship and there is an equality in the home, but they would still at the same time subscribe spiritually to the doctrine of complementarianism of well, I know that we're kind of going against what we're supposed to be doing. And actually, like, we feel guilty about that, that we're not. And there's a lot of pressure on the man to be the spiritual leader. And the woman is always taking a step back so that her husband can step forward. So there's pressure on both of them, her to step back, him to step forward. Yeah, I see a lot of that division in people. Yeah. And I would say when we got married, I thought I was signing up for a soft complementarian relationship where <laughs> work, you know, like I wanted us both to have an income. Um, I wanted it like I had a high regard for like your experiences, your intelligence, your spiritual background. So I wanted us to make decisions together, but there is still like this gut level feeling of, but I'm supposed to be the leader. And I felt insecure if I thought you were stronger than me in certain like spiritual areas. But I also expected if there was a we have a disagreement and we can't agree that I get the trump card and that you submit and follow my leadership. So that's what I thought I was signing up for. And that kind of began our journey of kind of defining. Yeah, we both thought we were signing up for different things because <laughs> I think neither one of us thought, well, we just assumed that everybody did things this way. And it was never brought up in our premarital counseling, which it should be like, what are your views on gender roles? Like, and I think even the reason it wasn't brought up because it was just assumed that everyone <laughs> thought this yeah, way. And, it was complementarian. Yeah. Right. Um, and so his world was complementarian. I stepped into it as an egalitarian. And I was surprised the first time he was like, well, you're supposed to submit to me. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, excuse me? And I remember you going to get your bible and yeah, i was like what do you mean what do i mean like it's right here it says submit like how you never read this part of the bible before like i was literally just like <laughs> dumbfounded that you could possibly think differently on this subject yeah and <laughs> came from a, a church plant that was connected to a very male dominated culture so that was i would think a little bit of a confusion too yes which i and i was confused i didn't even understand what my church plant was associated with it had not been associated with Mars Hill in the past and with the Acts 29, Acts 29 yeah. which if you guys know anything about Acts 29, it's infamous at this point. Mars Hill is infamous at this point um, for their stances on females in the home and in church leadership. And they have, it went, it went south. It went back. <laughs> downhill. Yeah. <laughs> went down, went down that Mars Hill. So I was, <laughs> they rolled down Mars Hill. Rolled down Mars Hill. 
So I was associated with a church plant. So I'm sure you were very confused when I was like, um, that's not what I believe. And I was at the point where I was like, I can't defend why I don't, why this isn't true. All I can tell you is that I know this is not what God has for us. And I know this is not the way I'm supposed to live. Just whatever you say, that's what we do. And you're always the tiebreaker. And I have no voice. Like I just knew intrinsically I had come from a you know, background that did not believe that, but they didn't have, they never explained what they did believe. They never explained why what they believed was okay or true or biblically acceptable. So I had no, at that point, ammunition to fight back and to say, well, let me show you biblically why what I'm saying Mm -hmm. might be interpreted this way. So it was just a lot of like gray area for us for a long time long time. So I think a a big thing for us. So I was a pastor at a complementarian church that Mm -hmm. me and a few other guys had planted. Um, And so I never had any reason to question these beliefs until we got married. And still, I I wasn't like digging into like real scholarship. It just seems so obvious. You know, the scripture seems so clear to me. I was like, well, you can go on your journey if you want digging into, you know, because uh, I was so certain of where I, I stood. But then I ended up stepping down from that church and we went and became a part of a church that was um, like a more traditional charismatic church that was very open to women having the pulpit and um, not the same kind of gender expectations. Uh, and so that was my first really my first time really getting out of my traditional kind of Baptist Bible church background and getting into another stream or even denomination, though they weren't affiliated. And that was my first time to see like women really preaching and women having leadership. And at the same time that we transitioned to this church, I also transitioned from being a pastor to going into the business world. And the company that I worked for was very pro-women. Like a woman was the CEO and there were women engineers who led departments. And after like the first year, my boss was a woman for like the next five or six years. And so all these different experiential things started to question some of my just inherent doctrinal belief, where it's like, oh, okay, so these women seem just as gifted at leading as men. Mm. They certainly have the ability to teach or to be in charge of departments at work. And so I started questioning, like, well, what's the logic behind this? Like, if God is really doing this, why is he doing it? If he's really saying men are on top and women are on the bottom and this like ladder, why? Like, what sense does that make? And the more I just thought about it and felt it and saw gifted women leading both in church and the marketplace, I was like, just, I don't have the scripture to explain it, but logically and at a gut level, this doesn't feel right. You know, I don't see any logical reason why we would separate like this. And so to me, that was the beginning. And so I feel like I made like a 70% jump at the beginning. I'm like, I can affirm that women should have a voice and equality and leadership, but it was still coming to terms with the scripture that was so confusing and hard for me to make that last jump. Mm-hmm. Of, but what do I do with all the scripture that does say wives submit to your husbands and women be quiet in church? And so I had to do a lot of digging with the scripture at that point. And I think it would be important to say that we never functioned as complementary in our marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we never, it was never where I was submitting to him. And that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we, definitely had to come to our own way of working through issues and seeing eye to eye. And I think because we were 
wanting to be led by the Holy Spirit, that really helped us because it was like, well, what are you hearing from God? Like, well, what are you hearing from God? And then like, well, I'm not hearing anything, but you're hearing something. So I guess I'm going to default to what you're hearing and I'm going to go with what God says. And so our marriage very much became, well, what's God saying? And so we didn't have the language to say, well, this is what we believe and this is why we believe it. And this is what this verse means. But we did have the default of just hearing God and submitting to him. I think that really helped us because we did have to put this issue on the back burner for many years. And I specifically had to, because I knew I couldn't just make him believe that the scriptures could be interpreted in a different way. And here's how it all makes sense. I couldn't just make him magically change his mind. So that 30% journey of get it was long and arduous. And I sent him money. <laughs> um, here's this you can read. And here's this theologian. Here's what this professor, this expert, this Greek expert, like here's what other people are saying. And, but it really was his own journey. It's so good. I think that what also I'm sure really helped you guys through that transition. I think you said this in a recent episode, Sarah, just that when there's love, it's impossible to not also have like a mutual submission. Mm -hmm. And so even in the wrestling of like, do I have to always submit to you? Do you ever have to submit to me? Like there's this natural, like when you're submitted to the Holy spirit, like, because I love you, I'm going to at least some of the time, if my flesh can get out of the way, prefer you and submit somewhat to you because that's just being Christ followers, right? Like we Mm -hmm. prefer one another. Yeah. And it even makes me think of, you know, like the verse where Paul says that we should not be unequally yoked and he's, He's talking about a couple different things, but marriage is is part of it. And I think with Sarah and I, like if I had had a lesser view of her going into marriage where I thought, oh, I'm smarter than her. I'm a better leader. I'm more spiritual. It would have been really hard for me to go through this process. So even that idea of like people who are like dating and getting married, like if you think that you're (laughs) superior to the person (laughs) to marry or date, like there's a problem there. You know, either you've got an unhealthy view of yourself or this isn't the right partnership because I wouldn't have been able to to really functionally take that step into I totally respect you and we are both empowered to mutually share this this marriage and this family if I thought that, but at the end of the day, I'm just better than you. And I think that's part of the problem is that because of the culture we live in, even Christian church culture, when you're in a church for so long that has intrinsically a view of women that they are at a different level. Mm-hmm. They're at a different, they can't do certain things. They're not spiritual leaders. They're not, they can't teach. I feel like that does impact the way you approach marriage. And it's like somehow you escaped that. I don't, you were just a more of a well-rounded, you were older. Like we, when we got married, you were almost 28. And I think that might've been, you know, you didn't get married at 19. Like, so you had time to kind of I don't know, get more world experience. You lived overseas. I don't know. You just had more experience in life. Um, I think that might've been something that saved us and also just God's grace. (laughs) (laughs) So good. I was thinking, I would love if we could talk a little bit about the implications of this specifically with homeschool culture. For me as a homeschool mom, I always felt, and I always also had like the desire to be home with my kids. That was something like, even before I was a Christian, I just knew I wanted to be 
Like I remember when my mom would drop me off at a babysitter at daycare and how I was like, I just want to be at home. And so there was just always this like thing inside me that I'm like, I just want my kids to be with me. But I remember, you know, stepping into the homeschooling and we've had lots of conversations about this homeschooling for different reasons. For me, it was mainly just the time. I just was like, I I don't want my kids to be away from me for eight hours a day. So I'm going to figure out how to either teach them or outsource their the teaching, but just be with them. But anyway, being in the homeschool mom culture, there's this very loud message of if you're choosing this path, then that's the the path, the only path. And with homeschooling comes homemaking and doing all all things home. You know, submit to your husband, serve your husband, serve, you know, make sure your house is clean for goodness sakes, Pinterest as much as possible, um, make good food and you know, make your kids be obedient and submissive. And then you all be obedient and submissive to your husband. That was like it. And I was actually at an entrepreneurship conference where I met you guys. And there was a speaker who was a woman and she said she had built this like multi-million dollar business and that she was a homeschool mom. And I'm like, well, is that even allowed? Like, how did she do that? How did she homeschool and build like this huge thing? I'm like, if I could just make at that point, like if I can make a thousand dollars a month, that would keep us out of the red with our family budget. Right. And then she started talking about the Proverbs 31 woman and how she had maid servants and how she was doing international trade and she had help in the home and she didn't have to do everything. And so she literally said from the stage, moms, like hire a tutor, hire a house cleaner, get help in the home. And it was like this, like scales, so dramatic scales fell off my eyes. And I remember thinking like, is that even allowed? What would people think if as a homeschool mom who's home all the time, if I somehow in my wildest imagination could afford to, what would people think if I made enough money to, and then actually did hire a house cleaner or a tutor or an assistant of some kind, like this woman is bananas, but that actually sounds amazing. like. That sounds incredible to have help because there's so much pressure put on the woman in this complementarian world that, you know, you can't work outside the home. You can't really have a voice, but you're expected to do like a lot of stuff, like mm-hmm. a whole lot of stuff, but not lead, <laughs> at least not in title um, and not be. So anyway, I just remember that awakening moment for me that I kind of give myself permission to dream outside of me having to do all the things and always be the solution. And since then, you know, having daughters, and I know you guys have a daughter, what's really made me passionate about this topic is thinking what happens to my teenager, to my five-year-old, if they're not taught that they, that their voice matters, that they can run a business, that they aren't voiceless. And what happens if, you know, they really truly believe the lie that they have to live under someone else because they're missing a certain body part. I guess I would love to hear Daniel, like what, what you would say to the, to the mom. And for me, it was, I hadn't known any other way similar to you. Like it was just the church. I, you know, I got saved when I was 16, the church that I joined and um, was a part of, it was just very like, I didn't know there was a word for it. I didn't know complimentarian was a thing. And so I I would imagine for a lot of our listeners, maybe they've never heard these words. Maybe they've never actually examined their own hearts and desires to think like, well, is there something more 
that I'm called to do that I've never even given myself permission to even dream about. Yeah. You know, what it makes me think of, first of all, is like the times when Jesus would heal people on the Sabbath and everyone would get so offended. They're like, but clearly scripture, like so obviously has said, don't do any work on the Sabbath. You must not be of God because here you are, you know, healing people. And Jesus over and over, he's trying to expose to them like the blindness of their own heart. Like what's better trying to follow the letter of the law, the way you interpret it, or actually having God's heart and doing what's good and doing what's right. So that's what it makes me think of is we're trying so desperately to like follow the letter of the law in these kind of complementarian worlds of, you know, submit and stay home, even though stay home is not in the Bible, you know, that we're missing God's actual heart, you know, like we're missing the miracle of, of men and women both getting to express the nature of God, like in Genesis, where it says, let us make mankind in our own image, in the image of God, he created them male and female. And so male and female makes up, you know, that's from the nature of God. And so when we live under that, like our daughters would potentially not be able to express aspects of who God is to the world. And that's where I think the church, the home and society misses out. If we keep living under this old kind of patriarchal structure is we miss out on the grace of God that's revealed through all of our daughters and sisters and mothers. Like we're only getting a portion of God's grace and what he wants to pour out for the world when we're withholding any position of leadership or any voice um, from women. Hey everyone, guess what? We are hosting a conference. Join us June 10th for the Awaken Women's Conference in St. Joseph, Michigan. It's a one-day event to equip you and inspire you into having more impact and hearing from God for your life. Register right now at tinyurl.com forward slash Awaken Women and join Liz and I in St. Joseph, Michigan. To get our free heart-centered homeschooling ebook or to book a breakthrough call about homeschooling or business with Sarah, visit the links in the description of this podcast. Also, we always want to hear your questions or ideas for new podcasts, so do please slide into our DMs on Instagram or post in our Facebook group. We would love to hear from you.